Welcome to Hope Assembly of God Online. We believe no matter the journey, there is always hope. This is a recording of our live Sunday sermon, unedited, uncut, real. We have been uh, looking at the seven end time events. The seven end time events, uh, the past few weeks, we have looked at the rapture, the tribulation, his second coming, his glorious return to earth. We established that the rapture was us going up to him, meeting him in the clouds. The second coming is that he's coming down to earth and we're coming with him. Then we enter into a thousand-year period called the millennium that Pastor Joe preached on last week and did a great, great job uh, teaching on the millennium, that thousand-year rule and reign of Jesus Christ. At the end of the millennium, Satan is loosed, and I want to share with you what's going to happen there. We're going to be in Revelation chapter 20 is going to be our main theme and main text for today. I'm going to go jump around, but Revelation chapter 20, the beginning of it is the millennium, and then uh, look what it says starting in verse 7. When the thousand years come to an end, Satan will be let out of his prison. He will go out to deceive the nations called Gog and Magog in every corner of the earth. He will gather them together for battle, a mighty army as numberless as sand along the seashore. Now remember, this army as numberless as sand on the seashore is going to come from the people that lived through the millennium under Christ's rule and reign. Okay, but never, I'm, I'm going to kind of say this, they, they were never saved and never surrendered their lives to Jesus completely. They might have enjoyed his, uh, his ruling, but they didn't receive him as redeemer. And so they're easily deceived when Satan is loosed and there'll be uh, just however many, numberless is what John saw in his vision. Verse 9 of chapter 20 of Revelation says, And I saw them as they went up on the broad plain of the earth and surrounded God's people and the beloved city. But fire from heaven came down on the attacking armies and consumed them. Verse 10, Then the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur, joining the beast and the false prophet. There they will be tormented day and night forever and forever. So we have rapture, tribulation, Jesus' second coming, thousand-year millennium, final rebellion. After this rebellion, there will be no more. There will be no more rebellion. Then what we're going to take a look at today is after this final rebellion comes the great white throne judgment. Okay, the great white throne judgment. Let's look at verse 11. And I saw a great white throne and one sitting on it. The earth and sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were opened, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up its dead and death and the grave gave up their dead, and all were judged according to their deeds. Then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. 
and anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Wow, there's some serious scripture right here. Some serious things that are happening. I want to begin by talking about God's judgment and wrath. There's a misunderstanding in culture today that, that God is just all love. You can do whatever you want and God is all love. And whatever happens, love, mercy. And, but I want to show you the other side of God's love is God's wrath. And here's how it works. If you're a mom, a grandmom, on earth, I don't know that there's any greater love than a mom or a grandmom's love. I mean, God's love and then the mom's love. I mean, that, that's it. Mom would die for her children, and that's love. And she loves them unconditionally and completely and loves them no matter what. Right? You get this? But if someone messes with her children, then they see mom's what? See? Wrath isn't an absence of God's love. Wrath is because of God's love. You see that? So my mom, sweet lady, you, you know her. She watches every week uh, the online service. I didn't have time to tell this story, but I told her I was going to tell it uh, now. So we had a neighbor that lived across the street from us, and he was just a mean old drunk. And there's no other way to put it. He was just mean. He treated his family terrible, and he treated everybody else terribly. Well, one day our dog got loose and went across the street and went to his house and he took the dog and kept it and wouldn't give it back. So when my mom, now my mom's only this big now, okay? But she was like this big then. She heard that, I won't say his name, nobody would know, but uh, she heard what this neighbor had done and she got up and she marched herself, we have a bit of a long driveway, and marched across the street and she looked at the guy and said, that my family's been good to you, and how dare you do this? Da, 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 da. See, moms have the greatest love other than God, but don't mess with their children. And God has the greatest love of all, but don't mess with his children. See, the wrath of God that we're going to talk about today is not for his children. For his children, now therefore there is no condemnation. And I'm going to show you many scriptures today that show us that. But woe to those that go against his children because they'll experience God's wrath. The Bible says this, Sabella paraphrase, don't seek vengeance. God will take care of it. God will take care of it. And I don't, uh, I'm going to throw this out to you. You know, we face times where we want to get revenge with the people that hurt us. They hurt us, we're going to hurt them. Do you know what I've found through the years? It never helps. You still don't feel any better or you feel better for the time. God will take care of everyone that hurts his, his children. He will. All right, so that's God's wrath. So you have an understanding. Why does God do this? It's not an absence of his love. It's because of his love, just like a mom loves, but don't mess with her children. 
So what's happening here is John now sees, because again, this is a vision of what John is seeing. He now, after he saw the millennium, after he saw all these other events that we talked about, now he sees this great white throne that God is opening to his eyes what's going to happen to those that have rejected God and that hate his children. So awesome is this great white throne that earth and heavens flee. So like there's nothing that John sees except this great white throne. That's how awesome this moment is going to be. He sees this, this throne, and throne is a common theme throughout the book of Revelation. Again, uh, chapters 4 and 5, chapter 7, chapter 8, chapter 11. There are 37, maybe 38 times that the word throne is mentioned in the book of Revelation. It's a, it's a very important point that there is a throne and it's not empty. That's good news. There is a throne and God is sitting there and he's in control, okay? And so now with this great white throne, all the singing stops around the throne. Remember, we've seen all that. All the singing stops, all the voices that were shouting. The rainbow is not visible. The 24 thrones, the four living creatures that were created just to worship Almighty God, everything we know about the throne room is now set aside. The throne takes up all of space. So awesome is this moment. Now, this throne that John sees is white. It's awesome and it's white. And the, the word literally means mega white, like the whitest thing you've ever seen. And why is it white? What does that white symbolize? Holiness. Yep, holiness. What else? Purity. Yeah, all of these things. That, that we don't have uh, justice here on earth. Okay? It, it's, it's not that difficult to see. If you're rich, you're going to get more from the justice system than if you're poor. That's just the way it works. If you can afford a better lawyer, you're going to be better off than someone that can't afford a lawyer or can't afford a very good lawyer. That's just the way it works on earth. But before the great white throne that is pure, holy, and just, Jesus stands. In Psalm 9, 7 and 8, and again, I use Old Testament, I use teachings of Jesus, because what is being taught here in Revelation isn't anything new, it's the culmination of everything that has been taught in Scripture. Psalm 9, 7, the Lord reigns forever. He has established his throne for judgment. He will judge the world in righteousness, and he will govern the people with justice. Jesus sits in judgment of those that have rejected God. In Acts 10, and he ordered us to preach everywhere, everywhere, and to testify that Jesus is the one appointed by God to be the judge of all the living and the dead. So Acts chapter 10 is the beginning of the church. It's the beginning after Jesus ascended and they're going out, the, the apostles and the power of the Holy Spirit. What were they teaching? Judgment is coming. Jesus is going to be that judge, and you need to be ready. Now we get to the end of the Bible in the book of Revelation chapter 20, and we see John is seeing the culmination of God's plan that not only involves the mercy of God, but it involves the wrath of God. Because God's love demands wrath like a mother's love demands wrath, 
if someone tries to hurt her children. See? No one would have blinked. I mean, we might have been surprised if my mother had socked the guy across the street. She's still tough. When you see her, she's 89 years old. She's only this big now. My mother's tough, sharp as nails. I'm her youngest, and I'm 54. My oldest brother, I think, is 68. He stopped counting. You still don't want to mess with her children. How much more? God's love, God's love demands wrath that Jesus is sitting on this throne. So awesome is this moment that the earth and the sky flee. So awesome in this moment that there are no longer songs and voices, that all of everything that John sees is this great white throne judgment. Verse 12, and I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. All right. The dead will be judged. Watch, this is so huge. The dead will be judged according to what they have done. The saved will be judged according to what he has done. That makes all the difference for all eternity. I don't want to stand before God based on all that I've done. There's no one good. There's no one righteous. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. At the great white throne judgment, the, 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 the books will be opened. The dead will be judged according to their works. When we stand before God on that glorious day, we'll be judged according to his works. Isn't that good news? Isn't that good news? That's the good news of the gospel. The gospel is very simple. You don't want to stand before God in your own works. Every lie, every theft, every, oh, even beyond that, every wrong motive, every wrong word, every wrong action, everything we should have done and didn't do, still sin. Do you want God to open that book? Not me. Not me. We, in a sense, have all had those books, but as soon as we stop relying on our own works and we rely on his work, that book is no more. The book that concerns us is now the book of life. And it's just got my name written in it that says that I'm saved by what Jesus has done for us. But at the great white throne, the dead who have rejected Jesus will stand before him and all they have is all they've done. And it, sorry, it ain't good. It ain't good. No one will escape this final accounting. It, it goes on to say that the great and the small will stand before him. No one is rich enough to buy their way out of this judgment. No one is so small that they're overlooked by this judgment. At the great white throne, the playing field is perfectly level that everyone will stand before him in their own works. 
Again, not believers, don't miss this. John 5, 28 and 29 says, but do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who, were, who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. And those that have done good will rise to live, and those that have done evil will rise to be condemned. Wow. Wow. These books are being opened. You have your choice now. What book you want him to read from? I want them to read from the book of life, from the book of life. So the dead are going to be judged. The court will see full evidence. You won't be able to pull the wool over his eyes. There'll be no, I like to read legal uh, novels, uh, John Grisham, these types of things. I don't know, for some reason I like court cases. Thank God I've never been on the other side of a court case, you know. I've been in the courtroom, but for someone else, not myself. But I like it. And, and these Grisham and another guy I'm reading named Ellsworth, they were lo- lawyers. And so they have an understanding of the legal proceedings. And some of the lawyers that they describe are good and some of them are bad in that they use the law for evil instead of good. They use the law to cover things up and the different procedures and motions and things like that. You know, when we stand before God, there's going to be no attorney next to us. When I was younger, I told a guy one time I, I worked outside the church and, and he would just harass me to no end about being a Christian and make fun of me. And that stuff never bothered me because I was, whatever he said I had a comeback for. I know that's going to be hard for you to believe, but like there was nothing he could say that really phased me. But one day I finally got fed up with him, and I don't even remember his name now. It was years ago. And I said, you know, when you stand before God someday, you realize I'm not going to be there with you, right? If I can go just a little bit further, you know, for those that have rejected Christ and have had opportunity to receive him, and all are without excuse according to Romans 1, ain't nobody else going to be standing with you. But the pastor, he ain't going to be there. But my parents, not going to be there. But my church, not going to be there. But I, exactly, but you, just you and God. But for believers, see, see the good news on the other side of it? We have an advocate. Hallelujah. But before the great white throne, there'll be no legal procedures he will see through everything because he is the ultimate judge and what he does is right. Now you look at this scripture and you see at the end of it, which I'm going to get to eventually. Uh, I almost said shortly and I knew that was not true. Uh, eventually I'm going to get to it. And those that have rejected Christ stand before the white throne. They're condemned to hell forever and ever. And we think of that. How do we comprehend that in our minds? We don't. We can't but it certainly should motivate us to let people know that that day is coming. It certainly should motivate us to be a missions-oriented church to our neighborhood and to the nations, to all ages, to all groups of people, to the rich, to the poor, to everyone in between, that no one that we know will have to stand there on the the day of the great white throne judgment to give account. 
I don't comprehend hell. I, I can't get it. And I've thought a lot about it this week. Here's what I fall back on. I know enough about Jesus because of what he's shown on the cross and in my life that whatever Jesus does on that day is right. And watch this, and I'm not his judge. He's mine. Can I just offer some advice? Stop judging God and let God judge you. Even before salvation, that's what happens. We recognize things in our lives that shouldn't be there. We recognize that we're a sinner. And we say, God, I need your salvation. Let that happen in your life. Stop judging God. Well, God, why did you do this? And God, he doesn't have to answer you. He's God. I like to say I can't find my car keys. I forget stuff at the house. Thank God I live next to the church. I'd be 50 pounds lighter if I lived a mile away because if I had to walk back to my house every time I forgot something, my Fitbit would go off like crazy. And I'm supposed to judge God? And I'm supposed to stand before Almighty God that's so mighty that the earth and the skies flee from his presence and ask why? If we're going to ask why of anything, why, God, do you love me so much? Why, God, did you offer your son for me? And even if I don't understand it, God, I want to receive it. How many understand salvation just a little bit better now than you did when you were saved? I do. How, much, how many of you that his grace is even more important to you now than on that first moment? Because we've received, we've experienced, and we live in his grace. Now, therefore, there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Have you heard that? Jo Jesus said this in John 3.18. You know John 3.16, right? Here's John 3, 18, just as great. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. Yay! Yay! Remember at football games when they used to let people in? And, and somebody would hold a sign, John 3, 16. And that was awesome, great. I think he had hair. That wasn't just, I mean, like colored hair or something he would hold. And it was right there. That was great. Look at this. This is also good news. Don't stop at John 3, 16. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. Jesus said this in John chapter 5. I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God Who sent me, let me start over. I tell you the truth, this is Jesus saying, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. And he goes on to say, they will never be condemned for their sins. And now therefore there is no condemnation. Wow. Revelation twenty fourteen. then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire and the lake of fire is the second death. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. 
believers never have to worry about the second death because second death has no power over us. We'll all die someday should the Lord tarry. But for believers, when we die, we enter into the presence of the Lord. To be absent from the body is to be what? Present with the Lord. But for those that aren't believers, they have not only the first physical death, but even worse, the second spiritual death. And that lasts for all eternity. Oh, how our hearts need to be broken by the things that break the heart of God. Oh, how we need to be people that cry out as the interceders that, that means that stand in the gap for someone else. I'm going to share this, and I'm going to start to, 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 to close. We all have unsaved loved ones. If you've grown up in church, we say that as a cliche. When Pastor Rowe came to visit the church before we hired her, I wanted her to see a service and everything, so we introduced her as our unsaved loved one, Pastor Rowe. And now that I know her, I'm still not even so sure. But anyway, Ro, I hope you're listening today up in the other, other room. If you're not listening, many other people are. You'll hear about it after. But we introduced her as our unsaved loved one because we thought that was funny. But the reality is we know people that are unsaved. Would you at the end of the service today and would you this week call them out by name and say, God, I stand in the gap on their behalf and God, whatever it takes, may they accept you as Lord and Savior. Because, look, Revelation has 22 chapters, and we're in chapter 20. In life, we don't know how many chapters we have, but the whole story hasn't been told yet. Even for your loved one, whatever they're doing, and I've seen it, sin and alcohol and drugs and, and anger towards God and hatred towards people. I've seen Jesus come into people's lives and completely change them. And I've seen it at every age imaginable from the young child that just has simple faith to the old man in the hospital room that rejected God his whole life. But on that moment, he received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Don't give up on your loved ones don't give up on them. Not that you're the only one they have, but you might be the only believer in their lives. Pray, live with passion for Jesus. Let them see that God is good. Let his kindness win them. This is scary stuff here to me because there's too many people that don't know Jesus. But it's not going to scare me into being paralyzed. It's going to scare me into doing more for Jesus Christ. Because he's worthy. And I know people that need to know. And so we're going to keep doing it. We're going to keep doing it as a church. We're not maintaining. We're moving forward. We're moving forward. All right. Let me wrap it up. I still can't remember this guy's name. Coral Ridge Presbyterian. Thank you. 
Why I don't write his name in my notes, I don't know. Because as I'm typing my notes, I think I'm not going to forget his name again. Totally forgot his name again. Thank you. Dr. James Kennedy wrote a book called Evangelism Explosion, if you've ever heard of that. And one of the questions that would be asked was this, and I'm going to ask this to all of you today. And those that are listening, wherever you're listening, whether it's live or later, please be with me. If you were to die tonight and find yourself, yourself standing before God, and God were to ask you, why should I let you enjoy eternal life with me, what would you say? If you were to stand before God today, and he were to ask you, why should I allow you to enjoy eternal life? If you say, well, I'm a good person, that's the wrong answer. If you say, I'm better than my neighbor, that's the wrong answer. If you say, well, I've never killed anyone, that's the wrong answer. Because Jesus said, if you've hated someone, then you are a murderer. James says that if you break one of the commandments, you've broken them all. For all have sinned, Paul says in Romans, and fall short. If you answer what you've done, that's the wrong answer. Here's the right answer. It's because of what Jesus has done. That's the right answer. The great white throne, they're going to be stand before the perfect judge, and all they have is what they've done. When we stand before God, all we have is what he has done, and that is enough. That's the good news of the gospel. Daryl Johnson says this. This is what he will say. Imagined he would say, I have sinned, Lord, and you know that. But Jesus, you shed your blood for me. You claim me as your own, and you wrote my name in your book. And I will hear him say, I did indeed. And then I will fall at his feet. Look at this wording. A puddle of gratitude and joy. Hallelujah. People say, when I get to heaven, I have questions for God. Oh, no, 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 no. No, you won't. No, you won't. We as believers, when we meet God... I like this. We'll just kind of fall in a puddle of gratitude and joy, singing and thanking him for his amazing grace. Last scriptures of the day. As always, if you need the scriptures, just let us know. We'll get them to you. Romans 5, 9, and 10. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through Jesus Christ? For if when we were God's enemies... We were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through Jesus' life? You're in two categories. You've either received him or you've rejected him. You're either going to present your works or you're going to present his work. You will either live for eternity or you will face the second death for all eternity. And I want to make sure that everyone that hears my voice today, that when they see God, it'll be the greatest day of their life. That they'll no longer, listen, they'll no longer live in fear today because they'll have a better understanding that perfect love casts out all fear.
and that fear comes from believing that there is judgment upon us. For those that have accepted Jesus, perfect love now casts out all fear. Not just fear in the future, but fear for today. Hallelujah. Can we receive some of that today? Can we receive, God, just a new glimpse of your grace today? Lord, can we just understand your love just a little bit better today? Just a little more. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you've forgiven my sins. Thank you, Lord, that my best days are ahead because of you. Thank you, Lord, that you'll receive anyone that comes to you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. with our heads bowed and eyes closed. Is there anyone here today you're not sure? Let's not leave this place till you're sure. All of us have been there. All of us, at one point or another. Please don't leave this place not knowing. What you'll find is it's not what you give up, it's what you gain. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask very simply because I want to pray with you. I'm not going to embarrass you or call you out in any way. But if you want to make sure that you are in a right relationship with Jesus Christ, just raise your hand real quickly till I see it and then put it right back down again. Yes. Anybody else? Anybody else? Make sure. Make sure you're sure. Thank you, Lord. Let's stand together. Say this in your heart as I say it out loud. Lord Jesus, we come to you today knowing that we're not good in ourselves, but you're good, and you're so good that you died for my sins. And now, Lord Jesus, I accept you, and I accept your forgiveness, and I believe in you. I believe that you died. I believe that you rose again. I believe that you're seated at the right hand of the Father. I believe that you're coming back again someday. I believe in what you have said. And now, Lord, I want to live for you. I tried living for myself, and it hasn't been good. But now, Lord, I want to live for you. And as we pray that, he has saved you. He has saved you. You've moved from death to life, from darkness to light. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, Lord, we pray for those that don't know you. Oh, God, we call them by name. We call them by name that you would save them, to do whatever it takes, Lord, to save them. May we remove our hands and place them in your hands, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening to Hope Online Podcast. For more information about Hope Assembly of God, go to www.godgivesyouhope.com or download our app in the App Store.